Welcome to the On the Air podcast, a companion to On the Air magazine, a bi-monthly magazine from ARRL for beginner to intermediate ham radio licensees. I'm your host, Steve Ford, WB8IMY. Every month, the On the Air podcast extends material found in On the Air magazine to help you learn more about the many things the ham radio service and hobby have to offer. The On the Air podcast is sponsored by ICOM for the love of ham radio. In the new September-October issue of On the Air, we've devoted several pages to the wide world of radio sport, better known as contesting. Contest season effectively starts this month and runs all the way into May, although you can actually find contests on any given weekend throughout most of the year. If you're a new ham, the obvious questions include, what is a contest and how do I get started? To answer those questions and many more, I've enlisted the help of Chris Plumby, W4WF, a veteran contester and a member of the Florida Contest Group. Good afternoon, Chris. Good afternoon, Steve. Great to hear from you. You too. Many of the people that uh, read on the Air magazine have not really had a chance to get involved in contesting. In fact, Chris, many people don't even know what an amateur radio contest is. I know that sometimes my non-ham friends will give me blank stares when I tell them, well, this weekend I'm going to participate in a contest. And they'll say, a contest? Well, what kind of contest? Do you win money? Do you win nice appliances? <laughs> what exactly is it? So let's start there, Chris. What is an amateur radio contest? So the classic definition, if you boil it down, is contesting is the natural competitive outgrowth of almost any activity. I've heard it said, and I've I'm not a sociologist, but I believe it to be mostly true that, you know, the by the time the second person invented the wheel, uh, the next invention was racing. Yes. You know, they want to see who can go faster, who can, uh, you know, whatever measurement there is for an activity, who can do more in that, you know, by that measure. And contesting is the natural outgrowth of that. Um, the ham radio world is full of awards programs for working countries and working counties and working states and working, uh, you know, any number of other, uh, geographic and political and, uh, social, uh, uh, groups or divisions, you know, there's, there's, you name it, there's an award for it. Contesting is distilling that into a weekend. So you can start contesting. Everybody starts on the same level, and at least nominally, anybody can win. Uh, and it's a great way if you, it's a great fraternity, I would say, within ham radio, which yes. is uh, maybe not as, not as apparent to a beginner. Uh, you know, it seems like to a beginner, the same people always win. Uh, you know, they put together these incredible scores and you say, you know, how in the world, you know, I'm struggling to do 20 contacts in an hour. How in the world is somebody else able to do 200 or 300? And it seems really implausible. It seems, you know, almost uh, uh, impossible to, to break into this, like they're playing in a different game. 
But it's, uh, I mean, like most other things, it's a matter of skill. It's a matter of experience. It's a matter of uh, inclination, of, of at least to some degree, natural ability. If you had to boil it to the essential, would it be fair to say, Chris, that any contest has as its goal to contact as many stations as possible, as quickly as possible, within the time period and the rules and so on of a given contest? Does that sound about right? That's about right. The only uh, the only additional clause that I might add to that is that you contact them as quickly as possible, as many as possible, and you log them as accurately as possible. Ah, so that's a good if point. You're exchanging, if you're exchanging some piece of information, a name, uh, a, a state, uh, a county, a number, you want to, in the most efficient way possible, convey your information to the other, your partner in the QSO, and you want to copy their information as quickly as you can, as accurately as you can. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because I happen to have an example, an audio clip I'm going to play here, of me in a contest attempting to get that information accurately across to the other station. Here it is. Whiskey Bravo 8, India Mike Yankee. Uh, Steve, it's India. India, Mike Yankee. I'm also Steve in Connecticut. Charlie Tango. Okay, Whiskey Bravo 8, Delta Mike Yankee. Uh, some QSB trying to get, please. Uh, it's Whiskey Bravo 8, India. India, Mike Yankee. Steve in Connecticut. Charlie Tango. Is that uh, Whiskey Bravo 8, Delta Mike Yankee? Uh, negative, negative. India, Mike Yankee. India, Mike Yankee. Steve in Connecticut. QSL? Okay, WBA, I am one. I should have recognized that one. Thanks, Steve. As you can tell, I finally did get it across, but with some difficulty. But as you say, you have to copy it accurately, otherwise you end up with what is called a busted call, correct? Yeah, you can bust a call or bust an exchange element. Uh, neither one is particularly good, as you can probably imagine from the busted uh, pejorative uh, uh, language. Uh, sometimes, depending on the rules of the contest, you'll lose that QSO, that credit for that contact if you if you uh, mess up one element or another of the exchange. Sometimes, uh, in other contests, you lose an additional QSO. There's a penalty assessed for making a mistake. So that's, that's particularly in those contests. But in, I mean, in all contests generally, but particularly in those contests, it's really important to be as accurate as possible. How do you handle it, Chris, when you're in a contest? and someone just persistently get your call sign wrong. They say W4WC. Do you let it go finally, or do you keep doggedly going at it until they get it right? <laughs> well, there's a, that's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting question that you ask. There's a famous uh, logic problem, and I may be mangling it, so any philosophy majors uh, you know, don't uh, write to the league, don't write to me. Um, but the, it's called the problem of the two generals. And the, the frame of this story is there's two generals who are leading divisions of the same army, and they're trying to communicate back and forth. And one general says, okay, you know, to my, my fellow general, I'm going to attack and you're going to be on my flank. And he sends the message, and the other general sends it back and says, I confirm your message. But there's always a question, did he understand it correctly? Did the, you know, did the messenger convey it accurately? On the, the part of the original general, you know, what exactly is going to happen? So there's this constant, you know, it, 
the the thought exercise devolves into this constant back and forth between these two generals where they're confirming confirming and reconfirming the orders and you it could go on forever yes contesting on any mode can be in that way you know you you'll say uh you might say uh, uh wba ime you know some somebody, somebody gives your call wrong or in your example they give my call wrong uh and you correct it and then they confirm the correction and then you confirm the confirmation and then they confirm that you confirm the confirmation and you can you can back this back and forth as long as you like, eventually one of you is going to get tired of it or the contest is going to end, which is, um, <laughs> you know, sort of both of those are equally likely, I suppose. I, but, I know uh, what you mean. So, but to answer your question more directly, I suppose, a lot of it depends on how hard I've tried to convey the information. If I feel like I've given them a good faith, you know, no, I've corrected, you know, I've corrected the call. A lot of times, particularly when the exchange in a contest is not something that's already known from the call sign, like if the exchange is a serial number or a name, uh, one way that you can sort of hold their feet to the fire is not give your exchange until you hear their you hear them give your call correctly. So, in your example, somebody comes back to me and sends uh, W4WC uh, five nine uh, five nine Michigan, and I respond and say. It's W4WF, and then you just stop. Or you, you say it's Whiskey 4, Whiskey Foxtrot. And don't give any exchange information. Don't give any – make them ask again. And, and an experienced contester will almost always recognize what's going on and say, do I have the call right? Is it Whiskey 4, Whiskey Charlie? And that will be your opportunity again to say, no, no, it's Whiskey 4, Whiskey Fox. Like uh, Whiskey 4, Washington, Franklin, and – through repetition, if nothing else, almost all the time you'll correct, you'll get it correct. That's the technique, in fact, I use uh, when I participate in digital contests. If the person sends my call incorrectly, I will, rather than proceed with the exchange, I will send my call sign again. And there's always a slight hesitation because you can see their little flummoxed, you know, and then finally they'll send it correctly. That's a... A battle. I mean, I'm. I don't consider myself a terribly experienced contester. I've been contesting with some regularity for ten or fifteen years. A lot of folks have been doing it a lot longer than me. But that's something that even the very experienced, very skilled guys struggle with: is is getting that balance and when to trust your gut on a QSO that you you heard and you're pretty sure you heard that guy, you know, send or say what you thought he said. But it's you know getting that. When to ask for a fill and when to when to trust what you thought you heard is a is a that's an advanced technique and an advanced problem as well as a beginner's problem. A little while ago, you touched on something that I think is important, and that is the difference between a small station, uh, a little pistol, as they sometimes call them in the contest community, a station like mine. I just have a wired dipole antenna for HF in the backyard versus one of these huge contest stations that have invested, in some cases, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars into their station. The question is, when you're in that situation of being that small station, that little pistol, you think, why bother? Well, what is the answer, Chris? Why bother? Well, there's a sort of a philosophical answer or a, a an individual answer, and then there's a bigger answer. The philosophical answer is, of course, 
if you're having a good time, then, you know, pray continue. I mean, if you, and you define having a good time on your own terms, are you working QSOs? I mean, I think it's been a while since I've been in this particular position, but I've, I was there at one time too. Just making a QSO is not always a slam dunk. If you have a, a compromised station of, you know, a wire in the attic and, uh, or a, a stealth vertical, or a mobile antenna parked on your car and you're operating from your driveway. It's no guarantee on any given day that you're going to be able to tune around and hear and work three or four loud stations who are going to want to, you know, who are going to take the effort to work a weak guy. And so on some level, just a contest, whatever the mode, everybody is incentivized to dig out those weak guys, assuming you're within the rules. Now, if it's a state QSO party and you're, you know, you're not in the, the target state and you're calling somebody who's also, that's, you know, most, most serious guys will work you anyway because they understand the urge, you know, oh, you hear a loud guy on and he's calling CQ uh, Rhode Island and you're not in Rhode Island, but man, he sure is loud. And, it, you know, it sure would be nice to make a QSO. Most experienced guys understand that and, you know, they'll work you and move on and not complain in the slightest. Um, but by and large, in a contest, when you hear somebody calling CQ, almost all the time, they want to hear from you. They want to work, you know, they're, they're trying to work people, weak or strong. They want to put, they want to put QSOs in the log in the same way that you do. That's true. Yeah. So that's a sort of a, that's a sort of a personal reason. And then the bigger reason is, Contesting depends on the casual operators. And of course, there's a different mix for every contest, but just in general, if there weren't any casual operators, then the serious guys would work each other and then they'd have a slow 40 hours of the 48 hour contest left. Because even though they may, they certainly make a lot of QSOs, but there's not really that many serious full time operators stations on in in any given contest. And so if you enjoy it and you think contesting is kind of cool or it could be cool or you're just exploring it, um, everybody, and I'll speak for all contesters here, I've been authorized to do so. (laughs) We like it when people make QSOs with us. We like it when people participate in contests. And if you stumble over your words and you don't, understand the exchange correctly and you call some, you know, you call the wrong guy and it's a DX contest and you call a stateside guy, I'll let you, you know, I'll, I'll, again, I'll speak for all contesters when I say it's not really a big, we'll help you out. We want, because if it's a DX contest this weekend and we can't work other stateside guys, next weekend is a, a domestic contest and we need every stateside guy that we can get. Yes. So we don't want to chase anybody off or make anybody feel like, you know, they really messed up by calling, you know, this loud signal on the band. That makes sense. Now, we've been talking primarily about HF contests because those obviously are the majority. However, there are also contests on VHF frequencies, right? That is true. By the time most people hear this, we'll be about a month past the uh, September ARRL VHF contest, but there is another one coming up, in fact, another ARRL contest in January as well that is VHF. Yes, that's correct. And I'm not an expert at VHF, and that's VHF contesting and VHF 
operating DXing or what have you is really a, uh, if you're enthusiastic about it, you're really enthusiastic about it. And if you're not, then you're kind of, you know, ho-hum. I'll say I'm not as enthusiastic about it as some, but a number of my close friends are really fired up about it and they love it. FT8, which I understand has been controversial on the, you know, on the HF bands and, you know, is it taking activity away from traditional modes and all that sort of thing? It has turned VHF contesting and VHF operating in general on its head. Absolutely. And the uh, September VHF contest, the January VHF contest, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting little factoid. My understanding is from around Christmas time, so a week or so before the new year until a week or 10 days after the new year is a particularly good time in the winter for VHF propagation. Now, the, the January VHF contest is a couple of weeks after that, but you can still, particularly with the advantages of FTA, you can still work some surprising DX in January. And of course, the January contest is just a, well, I shouldn't say just, the January contest is a dress rehearsal for the June VHF contest, uh, the AWRL VHF contest in June, which is the granddaddy of them all. And activity is almost always huge in the June VHF contest. And, it, and there's a ton of activity. It's a great conflux of good conditions, typically, and high activity. It's a ton of fun. Speaking of the January contest, I have yet another audio clip. Now, this is single sideband, Chris, on six meters, because during this January contest, exactly what you were talking about happened. There was a big band opening, and stations a thousand miles away were able to contact each other during the contest. And this is an example. Very good. Thanks for the call. Whiskey 5, Zulu, Nancy. W3 Echo Papa. W3 Echo Papa. Hi, Emil. Echo Mike 4 or 5. Uh, how you doing? Fox 31 Very nice, thanks. This is Dave. Okay, Dave. Uh, we'll see ya. Oh, wow. What are you doing out there? Visiting the president. Oh, oh, yes, okay. I see you right in the station. Okay, 73. Nice opening. Yeah, for sure. 73. Whiskey 5. Zoom Nancy. So, yes, no matter what frequency, no matter what sort of station you have, contesting is enjoyable. It's a nice way to spend... Well, you could spend an hour or two or three, or you could spend an entire weekend, whatever you're inclined to do. As long as you're having fun, uh, even, and I, I will be the first to admit, I operate contests a, a lot of weekends, a majority of weekends of the year, a majority of the 52 weekends of the year. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm serious in a contest, I'm going to spend the requisite 24 or 36 or sometimes 48 hours and I'm going to be on a you know a significant majority of that there are a lot of weekends like last weekend there were a couple of state QSO parties and there was a, a, a the Romanian HF contest they have a national HF contest every year I was probably on a total of two and a half or three hours um, but I got on and made some QSOs I was happy to work friends and acquaintances uh, people that I know, people that I've never met, that I've worked dozens of times, give them a QSO, uh, submit my log so the log checkers can review it. Uh, you know, everybody wins. It's a, it was a great way to spend a little time this past weekend. I agree completely. 
Well, with any luck, the next time uh, a contest comes up, which probably for me will be uh, phone sweepstakes in November, maybe uh, maybe I'll work you. You know, phone sweepstakes is one that I have uh, I run hot and cold, but I'll tell you, that's one of the contests where uh, frustration sets in and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not likely to spend 24 hours at it, but I hope to... Uh, I hope to hear you on. I'll certainly be happy to uh, exchange QSO, give you a QSO and, uh, you know, increase our count, each of our counts by one. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. It was great to talk to you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, which took a deeper dive into material from the September-October 2021 issue of On the Air magazine. We have a new issue coming up next month when we finish off the year with the November-December on the air. Hard to believe we're approaching the end of 2021, isn't it? In the meantime, feel free to send comments about On the Air to ota at arrl.org. Read our blog at arrl.org forward slash ota hyphen blog or learn more about ARRL membership at ARRL.org. Until next time, I'm Steve Ford, WB8IMY, 73.